0: This podcast is a presentation of University of California Television. Like what you hear? Consider making a donation at uctv.tv donate so we can continue to bring you more great programs. Thank you, everyone, and um, I'm glad to be back at CARTA. I was here a few years ago, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on, on our research. So I thought I would kick us off um, by talking about some major questions in human origins. So these include things like, was there a single ancestral population in Africa from which the Homo sapiens lineage emerged? Or were there multiple human populations that all contributed to the formation of our present day species? When did this happen? Was this 100,000 years ago, 300,000 years ago, 800,000 years ago? Where did these ancestral populations live? And were there any genetic adaptations that facilitated our subsequent expansion across the African continent and out of Africa? So I'm gonna be quite ambitious today and try to answer three of these questions. (laughs) Questions four and five are extremely difficult to answer. I have been working on them for a while. So I'm a, I'm a population geneticist, which means I study human genetic diversity across global populations, and one of the things that we do is we reconstruct the demography or the history of the species, and we do this um, in a variety of complex mathematical models, and we parameterize them. So I wanted to give you an example from about a decade ago of a standard human population history model that my colleague and I put together using a publicly available data set. So you can see that this is um, probably incomprehensible to most of you, that's okay, I'm gonna walk you through it. It's incomprehensible to most of us as well. But what I wanna point out is that the populations that we are sampling from which we are inferring these demographic parameters are the Yoruba, who are up top, so they're from Nigeria, Europeans from Utah, just here, and Chinese and Japanese populations. So these are the uh, these standard populations that were initially sequenced in the 1000 Genomes Project um, just, just over a decade ago, and from which we've obtained a lot of information about human history. When we first looked at these genomes, and my co-author, Simon Gravel, and I started thinking about what sort of models to put together, the focus was very much on non-African populations. So you can see that the Yoruba here are kind of a block, We have an ancestral population, and then they they grow, so the width of this block increases, and then they just basically remain static for the next 150,000 years. So there's nothing else happening to this population. Um, And and that's because the focus was really on modeling this out-of-Africa bottleneck, which is this long thin line here, the divergence between European and Asian populations, how much gene flow is occurring, and et cetera. I was very unhappy with this focus, but you know, that's what was going on at the time. And um, so I'd started working in Southern Africa. I have a, a field site there that I'll talk to you about. And um, I, I had this uh, burning question, which was, can we really represent human demographic history when we're only looking at a single African population? Is a single Western African population from Nigeria sufficient to really inform us about what's going on um, in, in terms of our human origins. So this is a, a different representation of human genetic diversity. This is a, a, what's called a principal components analysis. And what you need to know is each dot represents a single human genome, okay? And the closer two dots are together, the more similar these individuals are. The different colors here represent different populations. So for example, uh, in these boxes, colored in blue, are Western and Eastern African populations. So you can already see that they have quite a bit of divergence between them. They, uh, the Western, who are in the the navy blue, and the Eastern Africans in green, they've already pulled apart from each other. There's already genetic divergence between them. And then let me highlight The out-of-African populations, East Asians, South Asians, and Europeans, they all kind of cluster together in this orange box. They have reduced genetic diversity because we all went out of Africa, or they went out of Africa, and went through a bottleneck, so they lost lots of alleles, so they tend to be more similar to each other, in fact, than even Eastern versus Western Africans. But then you might notice there are all these other colored dots going on on the graph, and the question is, who are these people? So these people are individuals that we collected in South Africa. And many of them carry ancestry, which is related to the Khoisan uh, progenitors, so the indigenous people that were living in Southern Africa. And the, the first few boxes I showed you, those are all part of public databases. But these South African samples were not. So there's this entire axis of variation that was completely unsampled and unknown until we really began uh, working there, we and and others. Um, So I think, you know, to answer this question, can African genetic diversity be represented by a single modern population? Absolutely not. You need representation from multiple regions in Africa. And I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about why I think the Khoisan are so special. So this is just to give you a little bit of a, a geographic representation of where, where I work. I've been working in southern Africa since 2005 um, amongst many different populations. Um, we started in the Kalahari Desert with the San population and expanded out to other, other groups. Um, everybody in our sample carries some Khoisan ancestry from these hunter-gatherer and pastoralists that were living in southern Africa when Europeans arrived in the 1600s. So if you've heard the word Khoisan before, you might be thinking uh, these are these are Bushmen or Hassan. You might have an image of your head of a, a man with a bow and arrow or something like that. Um, but the people that we work with today are fully modern individuals that have been absorbed into modern day lifestyle. Um, so many of them are farming individuals. Uh, they're shepherds. They work for wage labor. Um, they dress just like this, just like you or I would. Um, so I want to make very clear that these are these are fully modern individuals that we're working with, um, and they have their own their own concerns. I'm going to use the term Khoisan to refer to members that are both San, which is an old term for hunter gatherers, and Khoikhoi, koi, who are uh, sheep and goat and, ca- and cattle pastoralists. We now know from the genetics that these two groups of people have a similar genetic origin, so um, I prefer to sort of lump lump them together and call it Khoisan ancestry. Uh, So sampling can look something like this. And um, so this is from our our first uh, sampling expedition in 2006 when we were working with the Kumani-san. And you can see that um, actually the target individual that we're sampling is hidden behind the tree here to protect her privacy. Um, I'm, I'm taking notes. My translator is just next to me. Um, and then her family is basically sort of looking on. And I I love sampling um, in this context even when it's really slow because then the family has an opportunity to ask questions, to make objections. Um, So there's a whole process of consent that goes on when you take DNA from from human individuals. Um, We have to be very careful about this, Um, but uh, luckily so far I've had a really wonderful experience working in Southern Africa. It is a slow process, so sometimes we do more group-oriented group, group oriented, um, sampling. It stresses me out, though, to like try to consent 30 people in six hours or something, so this is not the preferred method of doing it. Um, we work all across uh, South Africa and into Namibia, and sometimes you'll just be driving down the road. You see somebody walking. This is a, a shepherd in the Cedarberg Mountains. He has his his whip right here, which is... Um, line underneath the consent form, <laughs> and my, uh, my project manager just pops out of the car and sits down next to him and says, can, can we talk to you about our research? Would you be interested? And, you know, he's really gracious and, and says, fine. <laughs> um, and this is uh, my last uh, images of my graduate student, Dana, um, sampling a man in the crew while our, our research assistant, you know, looks carefully over her shoulder at the paperwork and um, any signal that the man might not be comfortable so um, if you're wondering what it's like to collect these DNA samples, it's, a, it's an incredible experience, um, but it has to be done very, very ethically and very carefully. Okay, so let me get back to sort of the theory side of this. Um, I presented to you initially this really simple model of the West Africans diverging from um, Europeans and East Asians. There was this out of Africa bottleneck. Okay, this is, this is fairly standard stuff but what is going on within the African continent over the last few hundred thousand or million years? So there were um, uh, a couple of very common models. Um, and my colleagues at Davis, uh, Teresa Steele, and Tim Weaver, and I put together this review paper on them. So I'm going I'm to walk you through them. And the, the first one is just a, the simplest model. It's a single origin. So all humans within Africa and outside of Africa have a common origin, which is relatively recent. So this would be our common origin. And then humans diverge into southern, western, eastern Africa. Europeans and everybody else come off of this East African branch. Um, Then there was another model, sort of more more recent, in 2018 and and so forth, um, in which people introduced this idea that there was archaic admixture um, in Africa. So everybody's probably familiar with the idea of archaic admixture from Neanderthals and Denisovans outside of Africa, but some geneticists then posited this was also happening within Africa and, in fact, is affecting Western African populations, even though we don't really have good fossil remains of who, hominin-wise, was living in Western Africa during this time period. So th- these were the two sort of main models, and we tried to flesh it out by thinking about other, um, other models derived from archaeology and paleoanthropology, and these include... Um, Yes, there were older populations living in Africa, um, but they sort of got subsumed by this recent expansion. So it's kind of a blend of the single origin model um, with these older these older divergences. But they were all um, homin- they're all Homo sapiens, and then um, this last one, which was put out by colleagues, called. African multi regionalism, which is the idea that this substructure, this divergence between different African populations is quite deep within Africa, goes back 300, 400, 500,000 years. So it's a very, very deep divergence. It's not shallow um, like this first model. Now, in order to try to uh, adjudicate between these different models, you need, um, you need evidence. And being a geneticist, I, I decided to. Uh, focus on on what I do best. So I went back and teamed up with my colleague from 2011, Simon Gravel, and one of his postdocs. And they had developed a new computational tool to handle very large amounts of genomic data. Um, And we summarized this data using something called statistics, summary statistics um, of different types of components like linkage linkage disequilibrium. and then we were able to collect additional samples from Eastern, Western, and Southern Africa. So those include populations from Ethiopia, like the Amhara, Oromo, and Gumuz, the Mende from Sierra Leone. And then I was able co- to contribute a Khoisan population, the Nama, who live in South Africa and Namibia. So now we have representation from three different major regions in Africa. And then we added in the British, just for fun, and the Neanderthal as well, to kind of look at the divergence from an archaic specimen. This is the largest sequencing uh, data set of Poisson genomes, at at least to date. Um, So it was a really, really special opportunity to combine all of the samples together. And I'm skipping over like all of the technical details. So you can look at this slide and then think like two years of technical details, and then we'll move on to the results. And this is the demographic model that we inferred. So it's sort of similar, um, similar in style to that first gray model I showed you. It's just sort of been flipped on its head. Um, so this is a million years ago, and this is present day. We're representing these different, genome, uh, these different genomes that we sampled by populations down at the bottom. So here are Southern Africans, Western Africans, Eastern Africans, and Europeans. OK, and then our Neanderthal gene is just up here. Um, so each of, these, each of these letters here represents a different parameter that was inferred in the model. Um, and these parameters are things like migration rate or um, divergence time. So migration rate is really a way of saying, like, how frequently did genes move from one population to another population um, across some structured geographic space? Um, it's impossible, well, hopefully not totally impossible, but quite challenging also to read this model, so I'm going to try to break it down for you into, into slices. So we're going to start at the, the oldest part of the model. Um, so this is uh, roughly a million years ago, one, uh, probably more like 900 to 1.2 million years ago. And what we find is that, indeed, there is very deep structure contained within modern human genomes that goes all the way back to a million years. So we've labeled this structure population stem one and stem two, representing these stem populations that contribute to everybody's genome, okay? And what's really interesting is that we find there is very consistent migration between stem one and stem two for a long period of time. So for hundreds of thousands of years, there are two populations in Africa. We don't know where they're living, but they're exchanging migrants back and forth and back and forth. Okay, we call this a structured population in human genetics. Um, Neanderthals appear to be more closely related to stem one than they are to stem two, suggesting possibly stem one is closer to Eastern Africa, very, very hypothetically. Then we see um, what we call a reticulation in the model, or um, this breaking apart and coming back together um, of these different stems. So stem one seems to split into two more stems. So then we have stem 1E and stem 1S. And this occurs roughly around 400,000 years ago. So still quite deep um, when you're thinking about human human prehistory. Um, And then they basically remain isolated from each other for several hundred thousand years. So we have three different stems, these you volume the cursor, these three ones, that are isolated from each other for several hundred thousand years. This is is super interesting and also puzzling. What sort of traits and cultures um, developed uniquely in these three stems during that time period? Does that help explain differences in um, archaeological material that we see in different parts of Africa? Um, Really, really interesting questions. Then We also see another major event, which begins about 120,000 years ago. And this is right coincident with some major um, climate change which is occurring in Africa called MIS-5. So about 100 and 120,000 years ago, these stems begin to merge together. So they go from this period of isolation to this period of merging. And what happens here is then sort of the formation of the modern contemporary African populations that we see today. So STEM1S and STEM2, you can see this orange and this red color, merge together to become the ancestors of modern day Khoisan people like the Nama. The STEM2 and the STEM1 merge and they contribute to um, the modern day ancestors of West African populations STEM2 and STEM1 merge, these are the um, East African populations, and everybody else. Remember, people who live outside of Africa have so little genetic diversity, they're almost a nuisance parameter, so they're just kind of in there. Um, but that's, everybody who has uh, a parentage outside of, um, parentage from outside of Africa comes from this joining of STEM1E and STEM2. Um, And that's consistent with uh, a divergence between Eastern African and Western African populations around 60,000 years ago, followed by um, an out-of-Africa bottleneck. So what are the implications of this model for archaeology? Um, I get asked this question a lot. It's really difficult to, to answer. Um, I will say that there is archaeological evidence for increasing cultural innovation or an acceleration of cultural innovation during this time period, 100 to 120,000 years ago. Um, so maybe this is coincident with these populations expanding and merging back together. Um, it lines up well with the genetics, but there are a lot of additional questions that, that one could ask. Um, I see I'm just, just running out of time, so I'm going to end by um, making three, uh, three uh, summary statements. So, what we infer using these new genomes from Africa is what we call weakly structured stem or two different stem populations that have been exchanging migrants for a very long period of time. Um, this is in contrast to Homo sapiens versus Neanderthals, which are incredibly isolated during this period. So this lack of differentiation between stem one and stem two then allows us to make a prediction for the fossil record that these uh, hominins that were on either stem are actually not very morphologically dissimilar from one another and we don't see any evidence for an archaic common hominin admixing into these African populations. And then the Khoisan, who are a Southern African indigenous populations, remain the first population to sort of isolate from these other groups. And we can date that back to about 120,000 years ago. I'll briefly thank my three major collaborators on this, um, my lab at UC Davis, um, our collaborators at Stellenbosch University in South Africa, and to all of the communities in Africa that contributed their DNA to the project. Thank you.